0: Hey guys, it's Carly and this is Jade. Welcome to Mommy's
1: Tell All. Oh my gosh. So I've been waiting for this podcast because (laughs) I have a bad mom moment that I still feel bad about. Yeah.
0: Well, let's just jump right in.
1: You know when like parents are like, oh, well, you were dropped on your head as a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So the other day I was playing with Charlie and I, ha- I was holding him upside down and like swinging him around and I slipped on something and dropped him on his face.
0: Oh no, I, poor little guy. I, <laughs> I felt
1: so bad because it was like not only was he dropped on his face, but we were also like in motion. I felt so bad. And now he has like a big... He always has bruises on his forehead, but he has a big bump and bruise on his (laughs) forehead. And it's because I did that. Like I was just being... I was trying to be a fun mom. And then the house was a little too messy to play fun mom when you step on things.
0: My kids... If they leave their color coloring pages all over, which Emmy comes from from home from school with like 30 a day, I swear. Oh, yeah. If they're on the floor like and they they slip on dangerous. Yes, it's guaranteed somebody's going to get hurt. Oh, God, I felt so bad. I felt bad about it like all week.
1: I've also been having really weird, bad dream. Like last night I had the worst dreams. First off, Bella woke up at 2 a.m. Throwing a tantrum that she couldn't have. She was like, I want chocolate milk. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, no, it's 2 a.m. <laughs> like, it's not happening. Full on tantrum to the point where I'm just going to go sleep on the couch.
0: <laughs> I took my food. No. just left her? Like, here's.
1: <laughs> well, it was like the tantrum would have been going on for so long at this point that I, like, I couldn't calm her down. I wasn't going to give her chocolate milk because once that starts, it will never stop. It'll be tomorrow night. We want chocolate milk. And the next night we want chocolate. Mm-hmm. And I just know her. That's how it's going to happen. So. I went and I laid on the couch because I knew eventually she'd calm down and then I would go back in. But I was laying there and it's actually so creepy. Huck comes out. He lays with me and I didn't hear anything. And I just like turned around to like assess the situation. She was just standing over me like super quiet. It was so creepy.
0: But creepy. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Oh, man. It was like not good. And Charlie's teething really bad. He's getting his molars in. So oh. long night. So my brain is like a little fried and I dropped my kid. On his
0: face this week, so I'm doing well. How are you doing? <laughs> well, honestly, that makes me feel a lot better about um, me wrapping up Brooks in the towel and him smacking his face.
2: Yeah. So See, that makes me feel a little we're, little better. Yeah. We're
0: I mean, solid- solidarity for bad these poor children. Moments. We're just like we're trying the best that we can. I know. You know, it's so funny because Emmy is six months older. Six months older than Bella. Yeah. And in those moments, like, it's funny because if I think about Emerson's stage right now, um, if I would have just like gotten out of the room and like left and slept on the couch, she would have just been like, well, I'm going to go get chocolate milk then. And she would have just gone <laughs> straight into the kitchen and tried to do it herself. Like, she's at I that stage. I was thinking well, like, about that. I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyway.
1: She does stuff like that. Like, especially like with candy, she can get to where the candy is, but she can't. I mean, she could go get a chair. I guess
0: my kids use chairs like the um, bar stools all the time. It drives us crazy. They're, they're like it's Brooks so would... scary. You turn around and you're like, "Oh my gosh, what are you doing?" Oh my god! One time, this is terrifying too. We have like gummy vitamins, you know, and oh, yeah. Brooks wanted to go. He just, they don't understand. Like I tell them all the time, these are vitamins. You can't just right, go eat right, them. Right and right. he is so mechanical and he i heard him in the pantry up in like our cupboards like way up high where we keep them oh, and gosh. um i came i come in and he's got at least Seven or eight melatonin gummies. Oh in my his gosh. Mouth. And I'm like. The sleepiest kid ever. <laughs> it was like nine in the morning. Uh. And I'm like grabbing them out of his mouth. I think he maybe ate one or two and he, and he ended up taking a little nap on, on one of our beanbags. Oh my God. But he had like eight of them in his mouth. And I was like, oh my god, how many have you eaten? How many have you eaten? I need to know. And he like. He's two. He can't tell me. Right. But right. he's smart enough. He's mechanical enough to figure out the kid lock on the top of the
1: top. Speaking of locks, Bella finally figured out how to use the gate. Because it's like one of those little, you push down, pull over, open. And he
0: knows how to do it, too. Yes. Ugh,
1: Bella just realized how to do that yesterday. I was like, dang <laughs> it. It's all over for me now.
0: Uh, do your kids have like a
1: specific uh, stuffed animal they have to sleep with?
0: They used to. It, mostly yeah. Emmy she had her tiger it was like this little tiny tiger that she would sleep with that she had to have we accidentally left tiger at a hotel room <gasps> once and we had to buy a oh, new one so that wasn't sad. the same tiger but we had to like convince <gasps> her it was and then she eventually accepted it so he's actually oh my tiger gosh. Two, he's actually tiger 2.0 but now he sits on her shelf because we want to keep him because of like his sentiment
1: Trying to explain to your kid like why they can't have like a hard doll. Like, no, you can't have a hard doll. Or you can't, Charlie, you can't have a car that makes noise. Like, no. I'm not gonna wake up to like vroom, vroom, vroom. We're like, wheel, we oh, in the middle of the night, scare everybody to death. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: Well, today we do have a really cool guest. Uh, we have Kathy Kassani Adams. She has a new book out called Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World. I'm so excited she talks about your different chakras and breaks them down and i'm excited that's for that really cool me too um, especially when relating to like our children how we relate to them i never really thought about you know all of that um so this is this is exciting there's she also writes about this owning the drama it's like uh like who's the problem like me or my child during a tantrum and i'm like i know the answer like the answer is <laughs> actually me
0: I know it's hard to accept sometimes
1: okay well we're going to take a short break and when we get back we will have Kathy on to discuss all things Zen Parenting Right. You guys, we're so excited. We have Kathy with us right now. She is a therapist. She's a mom of three, co-host of the popular podcast Zen Parenting. She joins us now to talk about how parents can navigate through all the confusion, power struggles, meltdowns. We know about those. We were just talking about that. That come with the parenting job. You also have a book out called Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World. Kathy, we need your help.
0: We need your knowledge. <laughs> all, of all of it. All of it.
1: <laughs> well thank we you were for just talking us. about
2: not zen parenting a moment ago
1: it's very hard it's hard to be zen
2: it is it is <laughs> and even like you know defining what zen means right it's like, you know like zen is not where we're always calm and where everything is always easy and where we're always in like some kind of blissed out state you know zen is really about accepting what's happening in front of us being mm-hmm. present for what's occurring and then just paying attention like it's 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 almost too simple where people are like that that doesn't make any sense to me but a lot of times the things that are going on with our kids especially when they're young is we see a behavior or we're having an experience with them and we can actually handle it in the moment but we have so much fear about what it means for the future like, is this going to happen every day? Are they going to wake up from their oh, naps yeah. all the time? Will they be yes. bullies because they're hitting their sibling or because they're mad at me? And a lot of it, we're just not present with them. And that's really where the Zen comes in. Yeah, I was just talking about that. I was like,
1: is this behavior going to happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day? It's Right, right. It's it's going to be so silly in 20 years. But right now, it's really stressful. <laughs>
2: It is. And you know, especially when you have young kids, it's like hard to even know how is this going to, first of all, will this change? And my answer to you will be yes. Like I can say that with a lot of, you know, I, my, my daughters are now 18, 17 and 14. So a lot of the things that you guys are experiencing, I have complete compassion and empathy and understanding. I'm not one of those parents who are like, that's no big deal. You know, I, I, it is a big deal when you're in the moment, but I can tell you that it will change and evolve because that's, another aspect of zen everything's uncertain and everything changes so the difficult part is we have to take that into account when good things are happening too that sometimes we get on a roll with our kids and we're like it's working out and then that's going to change too and that doesn't mean oh, yeah. that we did something wrong it just means that's life
0: carly and i both we have toddlers so she has uh, bella's what three and a half four and two four. Oh my God. She's four, four and two. And then um, my kids are four and a half, two and a half and 16 months. So we are like in the thick of it where emotions are felt a lot and very strongly (laughs) by our little ones. So I think it's like, it's just like the day uh, in and day out. Sometimes it's just like, I think it's sometimes a lot for parents to deal with, but I do love that your approach is which I would love you to talk about more is whether the struggle is more of our problem or or their problem,
2: yeah, you know, it's it's both, right? And I don't even know if I'd label it a problem as I would that we're both humans having an experience, right? Yeah, um yeah. we what I'd really focus on the most on the podcast and in the book and and really most of my writing is about, the parent, not because it's some kind of blame game of you're causing it or it's your fault, but the more ability we have to recognize our own patterns, our own triggers. And, you know, again, that word has become really overutilized. But what I mean by triggers is like what sets us off and why? Why does one Mm -hmm. thing bother us, but something else doesn't? And a lot of time that's based in our own history that we may we may haven't we may not have taken a look at it yet and a lot of it is fear about what we think parenting is supposed to look like versus the reality of parenting i mean mm-hmm. i'm sure both of you can relate to when you were when you were going to have a baby and the baby was going to be coming home you were like i'm going to be a certain kind of parent and this is the kind of parent i'm going to be and i'm going to keep going to concerts and i'm going to keep going to restaurants and we have these like things that we assume we're going to be. And then we have kids and we're like, oh, wait a second. I just need everybody to sleep and I need to lay down. Like our needs become a little more fine-tuned to our situation. And so what I focus on with parents is if we want to show up for our kids in a, you know, in present time, in the calmest way possible, because again, calm elicits calm. Like our, us getting worked up doesn't help them at all. If we want to show up that way, the only thing we do have control over is us. We can't make them a different way. We can't tell them to not have feelings. We can't make them grow up faster than they already are. And we can't tell them who to be. They are who they are. So the, the common denominator is us. How do Mm -hmm. we show up so we can hear them, so we can be present for them, so we can see them? And then the interesting thing that happens, and this is like the dynamic that happens after we do that, is then they respond differently. Their emotions aren't as high. They feel more seen. They feel calmer in your presence. So that's why I start with parents. A lot of parents you know, push back. I'm, I'm a therapist, as you guys said. And they'll say, but then it's like, all my fault. And it's like, this is not a game of fault. This is a game of what do we have control over? Yeah, That's it.
0: How do we hold that space for them to be themselves?
2: Well, first, it's having that space for yourself. I'm going back to us, and this is why. It always starts with us. Did someone hold the space for you? If they did, fantastic. You have a role model. You know what that feels like. You know what that looks like. If the space wasn't held for you, that's the first practice, is where can I have a space where I can feel seen and heard. It could be a partner. It could be a friend. It could be a therapist. It could be a coach. Um, but where? what does it feel like to be seen and held? What language is helpful to me? Um, in what ways do I then feel soothed or motivated? Whatever you're looking for. The reason why that's important is it's hard. It's like having that experience ourselves allows us to offer that to our children because mm-hmm. a lot of times we're doing things Makes for sense. our kids and we don't have any experience with it. And so we're kind of just shooting in the dark versus yeah. like, this is, you know, I know when I'm with someone, it's very soothing when somebody's calm. So I'm going to show up that way and allow my kids to be who they are. Now, the the most, the most easiest answer I have, Jade, is to listen more and speak less. Mm. Um, I think we believe that a lot of parenting is lecture. And a lot mm. of it is, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me show you, let me show you. And our kids are really smart. And they don't yeah. need all of that. They just want to be heard and validated. And in the word validated, what that means is when they come in, come to you and they say, I'm mad, you know, especially your four-year-olds, you guys, you know, and they're like, I'm mad because this didn't happen or I didn't get this. We don't have to say, well, let me explain to you about money and let me explain to you about the world. They don't care. What we say is in some, rel- you know, you don't have to do it verbatim like me, but is like, oh, yeah, I can understand why you're mad. Oh, yeah, that would be hard. You're not being permissive. You're not changing your boundaries. You're just validating. And then that holds the space for them. That's where they feel like, okay, yeah. And you're not telling them to be different. You're not telling them to have different feelings. Those feelings of anger and frustration are good. Those are their boundaries. Those are them saying something doesn't feel right. And we don't want to knock that out of them. We want to help them feel that and then tolerate that and and have some tools to deal with it. How did you come
1: about this whole concept? Was it from your experience as a parent? Was it from your experience as a therapist? Like how did you how did this concept come to you?
2: You know, before I had kids, I'd say even in like my early 20s or late teens or whatever, I got really into self-awareness and, you know, obviously some self-help in there, but really just more about like a deep dive and who am I? Why do I do what I do? You know, and I was still on my own. I was living alone in the city and I was kind of figuring these things out and realizing that it was playing a role in all of my next steps like self-awareness was allowing me to see hey this job i'm not good at it i need to go in a direction where i'm actually using skills like that's when i decide to go to graduate school and become a therapist i'm like i'm not a good administrative assistant like self-awareness instead of trying to shove myself into like a box that people thought i should be in i was like nope that doesn't work i need to go this way so self-awareness has always been a part of my development And then I became a therapist. I worked at a hospital. I worked in psychiatric. I thought I was so knowledgeable, right? But then I had a kid, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I had a total identity crisis. Like, it didn't matter what my education was. I was a teacher before I became um, a therapist. And so I'd had all this experience with kids, but my experience with my kids was huge identity crisis. I didn't know who I was because I actually decided to stay home. And I was like... but you know who am i without my degree and my education yeah. right or yeah. who am i without this sense of self and right. then i also with your own kid it's a totally different story because they feel like such an extension of you that mm. when they are having challenges i was having challenges this wasn't yep. like a separate person or a client where i could stand back they were part of me so then i went in a deeper dive of what what is it that allows me to parent effectively Like, what is it that allows me to show up in a way where I am going to feel like I'm in my integrity, that I am connected to my kid, and that I can be a supportive parent for them, but also not lose myself? There's all sorts of pieces here, right? But I also got into mindfulness, and I got into yoga, I also got deeper into behavioral therapy and CBT and DBT. Like, it wasn't just Eastern. I was doing Western, too. But it was like Mm -hmm. I just did a lot of research, interpersonal neurobiology, like things that got, you know, like how do our brains work? Yeah. And what it came to, the bottom line is I like write in my book about this experience I had. This was even before I had kids where I was watching Madonna talk about, she was pregnant and she was talking about having her daughter, Lourdes, who's now like in her 20s. I'm aging myself big time. And she (laughs) she was talking about how she realized that before she had a child, she had to figure out who she was, what Mm -hmm. she believed and what she wanted to teach. Mm. And that sounds really easy, right? You guys like, well, duh, You know, we're like, well, of course, but how many parents do that? Oftentimes we just have a child and we're like, I don't know, like I'm a sex educator too. I teach children about sex education. And I will talk to the parents before or after and I'll say, what do you want your kids to know about sex? And they'll be like, I don't know. Like, what kind of relationships do you want them to have? What value system do you want to impose? They don't know. So in answering your question, it's really that I had to do my own deep work and have a lot of dark nights of the soul. There's a lot of things I had to unlearn. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of misogyny that I had to work through. You know, Mm -hmm. we have internalized misogyny about what women are supposed to be, how they're supposed to show up, what what motherhood should look like. Mm -hmm. And so I had to work through that. I had to have my own life like things I cared about that were separate from motherhood to demonstrate yeah. to my kids. I have, I have a life too. things I love to right. do. And I will tell you that it's still a work in progress. I'm not at any end point. I'm still right in the middle of learning about myself. It changes. It's like an onion. You know, we're unpeeling throughout our lives and figuring things out. Great explanation. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of words, but it's so layered, right? I mean, wh- yeah, it really is. You, you learn something and you think, oh, I got it. And then you don't.
0: I don't know who the quote is from or where it came from, but that like the best thing you can do as a parent is to heal yourself.
2: Absolutely. This is like one of our our tagline for our podcasters, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-awareness. So what's interesting about our show is we obviously have a lot of parents who listen to it because it falls under the category of parenting, but it's not about parenting at all. It's about you. And if you feel like you have an understanding, we have a lot of college students who listen to our show too, and they're like, we're not parents. But uh, I'm like, yeah, it's it's relevant. Yeah. Because if you are tapping into your needs, like, just like, let's just talk about like a kid who is frustrated because they didn't get something. My
1: child at 2 a.m. last night with chocolate milk. Yes.
2: And they are <laughs> and they are demanding it of you, Carly. They're like, yes. you owe me this, mom. Like, For I, sure. I'm demanding. If you have a history of struggle with entitlement or you have a history with I didn't get this and people told me I had to buck up and make my own way or Mm -hmm. you have a history that you did get everything you wanted and you're realizing that that's not great you're going to have a reaction because of what's going on inside of you yeah and if we if we can't differentiate between ourselves and our kids we have an issue with entitlement we have an issue with we got too much or too little and so everything we're saying to our kids is what we haven't resolved So Mm -hmm. I still have that same reaction, meaning I have certain issues that I have or when my kids expect something, well, mom, you know, the car's not working, you know, you need to do something about it, or you need to make this phone call. I have this instant like, you know, but I also, instead of reacting, I take a breath and I respond. There's like a difference because reaction is all the emotion. Mm -hmm. Response is, I see what's happening here. And I'm doing this all internally. I see what's happening (laughs) You're annoyed, (laughs) Kathy. You're annoyed. Let's take a (laughs) breath and say, "What do you mean by that?" Or, "How can I help you?" Or, "I only have an hour." Or, "I try and respond from a place of, again, presence rather than history." It's. Mm -hmm. But this is practice.
0: This is another more like parent geared question. What do you do when? One parent is kind of on the level, but the other parent is very non-self-aware and is very reactionary. How do you get them to kind of try to see that side to where you're on like an, more of an even playing field or just like a, a team side when it comes to parenting?
2: It's a great question, and I would say it's one of the most common questions that my husband and I get because we do the podcast together and we are very different people. I am a lot more sensitive, emotional, spiritual. He is very practical and logical. I'm more introverted. He's more extroverted, which is kind of why our conversations are fun because we mm-hmm. have completely different perspectives about how the world moves. You know, I'm all in my body. He's all in his head. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So part, part of the answer is that you don't, there's things that you don't need to absolutely be on the same page about when it comes to how you perceive the world because both perspectives have value like I always say to my husband if I I kind of feel like I would have partnered with someone who is more like me I would be like floating off the earth like I right. needed someone who was a little <laughs> grounding you know who's like you know Kathy this is you know not everything is spiritual some things are just reality some things are just yeah. deal with this here so he's been very helpful uh to me in that way and vice versa I've helped him kind of see things in a much broader you know in way where it's not just about now it's about everybody you know The time when it gets difficult is when you're parenting a child and they're very reactive from their history and they don't see it. And you Mm -hmm. are trying to maybe do something that's a little more um, self-aware or a little more evolved. And and evolved doesn't mean better. It just means you're trying to see them as their own people and not, you know, a lot of parents are like, I'm just going to parents like, I'm just going to be a parent like my parent was a parent to me. And that Mm -hmm. makes no sense because I was raised in the 80s. My parents were like, bye. Don't come home till 9. That oh, doesn't yeah, happen for sure. anymore. Yeah. Right? It's not doesn't work that way. And right. nor should it. We are supposed to have evolved. And our children will evolve beyond us. They should not parent right. like we did. you know. So the answer, even though it's not simple, is to continue to have discussions about why you're doing what you're doing. This isn't a a game of win-lose with your partner where it's like, I'm right, you're wrong. This is a can we i want to explain to you how i look at it and then this is the hardest part you have to hear why they look at it the way they do and have Oof. an understanding of their history and and what and what they're afraid of yeah. I, a lot of parents are afraid i don't want my kid to be a jerk i don't want my kid to be privileged entitled i don't want my kid to not be able to change their own tire and so explaining to them that i hear that and i honor what you want to what you want to do, but there are all sorts of different ways we can do that without yelling, without shaming our kids, without feeling the need to overpower them or make. We don't want our kids to be afraid of us. Like right. we want to be connected.
0: Right. Um,
2: we we want them to feel. You know, so many parents say. I work with kids to, um, you know, who have had struggles or who need a lot of support, and and you know, their parents will always say, "Well, they knew I loved them. They should have come to me." They. They know you love them in theory, but they don't feel safe coming to you. They they're afraid. They they know you'll judge, they, not because you're a bad person, but because you have demonstrated that you have judged them mm-hmm. and you have told them they're wrong, or you have questioned. So, the thing I have seen couples do that has been helpful is hear each other's perspective and really honor. Instead of no, you're wrong, really understand why your partner feels the way they do because that's the beginning of respectful reflective discourse rather than it's you against me because you yeah. really want to parent as a team
1: I do want to talk about uh you break down the seven chakras and Jay and I were talking about this before and like solid s- strategies to help you parent through your chakras can you talk about that that's so interesting to me
2: So again, I've been a therapist for 20 years. I've been doing this podcast for 11 years and we talk about a lot of things. You can only imagine how many, you know, how many different issues have come up in regards to what, you know, what Zen parenting or what healthy parenting or whatever we want to call it. I get caught up in the words where, you know, it just means parenting in a way where we feel like we're in our integrity, right? So I'm like, how do I put all of these pieces together? How do I structure this without overwhelming people? And I'm a yoga teacher. Like I said, I'm very into body alignment and understanding what's going on. So I was like, what do I use? I use the chakras. Now, that's not, you know, that can become difficult with some people, meaning they may not understand what the chakras are, or they Mm -hmm. may find um, that it sounds too esoteric. But I tried to make it be about less about understanding the chakras overall or having like a deep understanding of them and more about let's have these as categories so you can see like for example the heart chakra you know the fourth chakra this is where we're going to talk about empathy this is where Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about open-heartedness this is where we're also going to talk about grief because we carry grief in our lungs you know it's connected Mm. to the heart and that it's just a way it was like a scaffolding you know, like I think about the chakras in terms of, you know, as a yoga teacher in a more like these are energy centers in our body and I feel them and understand them. But for yeah. someone who's not into chakras, it's just an organizational system. So can you give us like a little summary of your book? You know, we kind of just talked about the, the heart of it, which is chakra one through seven. And I'm not going to go really deep into it, but I will say chakra one is your sense of self and belonging. You know, it's like being... Uh, you know, connected to the earth, like I was talking about with Todd in my relationship, like I needed to be a little more rooted. And once Mm -hmm. you feel more rooted, and if you guys do yoga, you know about the concept of root to rise. Like if you really want to go forward in life, you have to be rooted first or else you're just all over the place. So sense of belonging. Chakra two, your creativity. It's also like when I say creativity, that's also about having children. You know, that's where our womb is. That's where the, it's the birthplace of all things. Chakra three, our sense of self. Chakra four, our heart, our empathy, our grief. Chakra five, which is really interesting because I work with women most of the time, how do we speak about ourselves? It's very difficult to speak, right? If you don't have those first three, four, five, it's very difficult to share unless you know who you are. And then chakra six, um, probably my favorite place, imagination, intuition. It's our third eye center. Um, That is where mindfulness and meditation and that kind of thing comes in. And then chakra seven, top of our head which is our connection to everything. You know, we can use language that's more religious in nature, spiritual or just the idea that we're connected to everybody. We learned that from the pandemic, right? You know, oh, something happens at one side of the world, it happens here. And then the beginning of the book which I put together later. I actually had written the chakra areas, but I was still writing this book when the pandemic began and in the you know, in the summer with the racial justice, you know, things that were being brought to our attention. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I wanted to have the introduction to the book be about things we need to consider before we move forward with our own Mm self-awareness. Things like dignity, things like discussing race, discussing inequality, um, gender norms and disturbing them a little bit, disrupting them, Um, sexuality, you know, um, and gender identification, and then mental wellness overall. That it's very difficult to tap into all these things inside of us until we've considered all of these issues. They they are things that we have to, you know, talking to our kids about inequality and race, talking to our children about mental health and what that means, talking to our kids about sex education. And again, I'm Mm -hmm. a social worker. Like these are, this is what I do. So to me, it's very normative, but I work with so many parents where they they don't want to talk about these things because they worry that there's like an innocence lost or that they're not ready for mm. it. Kids aren't ready, but they are. Mm-hmm. They it becomes second yeah. nature to them. My kids um are teenagers and my oldest daughter identifies as gay. They their sense of like gender fluidity and sexual fluidity, it's a totally different world. Like for sure. They're fine. Totally different. They don't they don't care. Like they're like whoever you are is who you are. And and if we don't understand that about this generation, we could Feel disconnected from our kids because we may not listen to who they are and what they need. Mm-hmm. So these are like essential things we may need to educate ourselves. Because if we grew yeah. up in an environment where that wasn't accepted, we right. may need to re-educate, unlearn. Um, so that's that was that was what I put together. And then, as you said, the final part of the book is that at the end of every chapter, end of every chakra, is some things you can do as an individual for your own humanity and sense of self and then things you can do with or for your kids to help them with their sense of self. Oh,
0: so amazing. I do want to ask you one more question uh, before you go because since you kind of ended with sense of self, because you talk about the difference of teaching your children self-compassion compared to um, giving them self-esteem. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, that's a great question because I think that's something we have a hard time differentiating between, especially people from Gen X, from my generation, because we were raised with the self-esteem movement, Um, you know, that everything was about being great and being the best. Mm -hmm. The problem with self-esteem is the only way you get that feeling is if you win or you're the best. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's a game of king of the hill. That's a game of, so I don't feel good about myself unless I am the one. And that's impossible to maintain. Self-compassion, and I'm using um, Kristen Neff's research, and Brene Brown also used Kristen Neff's research, if you've heard of either of them. Self-compassion is really about three things. Self-kindness, which is treat yourself like you'd treat a friend. Like if something was going on with you and your friend told you the same story you're having, how would you treat them? You'd be so loving and caring, and we have to do that with ourselves. The second one is common humanity, which is realize that whatever you're experiencing, somebody else has gone through it too, meaning you're Mm -hmm. not alone alone. This is very typical, normal of human beings. And then number three, mindfulness, which we were just talking about. Just do now, just be present. And so self-compassion you can use anytime. You can use it when you have a good experience. You can use it when you feel like you fail. You can use it when you are working towards something new. Self-compassion never, it it, it will always be there for you. And what we know research-wise is using shame and guilt with kids and with anybody. It doesn't work. It just puts them more into a shame spiral. Yeah. Self-compassion allows kids some space to be like, okay, I would like to make a change. I would like to do something different. You know, Making our kids feel like you, know, you guys aren't here quite there yet with homework when kids are going to be in school doing homework, Ooh. but making your kids feel bad about their grades or their homework does not help them do better. Right. It actually puts them in a place where they feel like they either need to lie to you or you know, God forbid, cheat on everything or just feel angry about school. Mm. Self-compassion of doing your best, treating yourself well, um, understanding this is just a moment in time, you have what it takes, gives them the energy and space they need to achieve at whatever level they are supposed to achieve. Not everybody is supposed to be number one and the A plus student. There's lots of room for all of us. You know, like you said, you have uh, three children, you have two children, and you know they're completely different people. Like so different. Yeah, they're so different. Their temperaments, their desires, what they enjoy doing, maybe even what they look like. And there isn't one parenting method. What there is, is how do I parent this child? And that's okay. You don't, I have three daughters and they're, and they're all girls and they all grew up in this house with Todd and I, and they are completely different people. So I, when I say I speak different, I don't mean like I'm fake with them. I just mean like, I know this daughter, this is what will help her. This daughter, she needs me to be more quiet. This daughter needs more hugs. It's almost like love languages. Sometimes we're like, we think one thing's working. And if we have a good connection with our kids, if they trust us and they feel like they're not afraid of us, they start to tell us things. Like my daughters are like, Mom, that doesn't work. Or no, I don't need advice right now. I just needed you to listen. Mm-hmm. They, there's this back and forth where we continue to learn. But if we live in this hierarchy of parent to child, like I'm always right, you're always wrong, they can't even share with us who right. they are. We yeah. cut off that possibility.
1: Well, Kathy, I am so grateful that you came on today. Thank you so, so much. I learned so much. I'm sure all of our listeners did as well. Um, Where can we find your book? Where can we find your podcast? Where can we find
2: you? All of the details good news it's all in one place Zenparentingradio.com and the book is there our podcast is there um i have a newsletter the works we do events you know we have a conference that we do every year so Zenparentingradio.com is where you can find everything thank you so much for being with us this was so insightful really appreciate it thank you for inviting me ladies and thank you for doing what you do
1: This is so right up our alley talking about things that are like grounded, but a little woo woo. You know what I mean?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I do
0: feel like that's kind of been our vibe lately, but I'm into it. I think she had really like you said, I think she had really great insights. And I actually really want to get my hands on one of her books. I, I feel like this really resonates with my sort of style of parenting, but sometimes we don't know how to apply it. You know, like, yeah. it's like, I want to be this person, but how do I? For this sure.
1: Person? I <laughs> love how she was like, kind of has almost like the play by play of how she can get to this in place, which I think is really mm-hmm. good and interesting. So you can like almost like stop yourself before you let your emotions take over. You can stop yourself and say, OK, let me do these like three things or four things and then get to a place where I can be on their level and like stay Calm.
0: I know. I think that's kind of sometimes the hard part is that you have to put in the work. But then it's like it's worth it if you put in the time and effort. Just like therapy. If you are going to put your time and effort into therapy, like you're going to see some sort of healing and results, hopefully.
1: (laughs) Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We would not be here doing this if it wasn't for you. Please tell a friend about Mommy's Tell All so we can – Spread the word and have more mommy friends and non-mommy friends and
0: share it with everybody. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. We'll see you next week.